Welcome to episode 451 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure, coming from our brand new revamped studio. On this week's episode, we feature an old friend who's come back again. You might have heard him in the past in a segment called Cab Fare. This go-round, he's Travis Ignatowski, urban hiker. And we talk with him about what that means, being an urban hiker, about cities, about water cooler moments, his trajectory in life, being a coastal elitist, what normalcy actually is, and government, as well as hopes, dreams, and hookahs filled with hashish at Google, among other things. A grand reconnection with Travis Ignatowski this week. We have an EWSA titled Taxi Cab, and the third installment of our associate producer, Dr. Pavise's radio play titled Watch the Ice, as performed by actor extraordinaire Dominic Azzarelli. And we have a poem called Kind Bud. All of this will be imbued, infused, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 451 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Things could get so bad, I know, but things could always be worse. There's a blessing tucked inside of each and every curse. You could be a selfish fool, but somehow not be selfish enough. Your glass could be half full, but you've already drank way too much. This is life. This is life, Merry Christmas This is life, this is life Oh, how humor you burst the bubble of all our hidden pain Oh, how humor you clever mother, you're keeping everybody sane Bastards feel some kind of joy Like a golden token we find we're not broken Like some cheap little toys This is life, this is life Merry Christmas This is life, this is life Merry Christmas Life can have meaning if you keep dreaming all the way through the day 
saw you cry a little in the middle of a story you once told. Your thing of beauty, and we're all rooting for you not to fall. This is life. This is life. Merry Christmas. This is life. This is life. Merry Christmas. This is life. This is life. Taxi cab. You looking at me? At the Bowery over on 2nd Street near the tobacco shop next to the juice bar. She sits thinking of Caracas in December. The warm swells of breeze through the coconut trees and the ruthless leaders breaking fingers to get at the truth about Santa. Drinking Fanta on a wooden bench in the middle of town. And nobody is around. It is too early in the day to shop. This pandemic of consumption and cough has taken a hell of a toll on our collective consciousness, though some extol the positives unbeknownst or imagined, like being home more with the family, more companionship for house dogs and cats and potbelly pigs, less daytime scurry, through congested highway systems, less firing of fossil-fueled combustible injectors and pistons. It might be a little bit late to make a difference with global warming. I might have to cut the grass in December. This is crazy talk in the Northeast United States. It's been almost 12 months since... The white-bearded jelly-belly saint was in the air, and a magical sleigh pulled through the clouds and stars by flying reindeer, up, up, and away. Who needs a life-changing public policy or thoughtful, honest dialogue about our challenges and bad habits as a species? All we need is a smartphone and the dumb-down-dollar-menu-drive-through dance. Morning, noon, and night. A slothful, nihilistic romance. And everything will be justu justu. Everything will be all right. The blinking, colorful porch lights are so goddamn bright. Going, my brown eyed son. You used to crawl, but now you run. You started off on a road half dark, and the river curled into a question mark. We sleep on diamond beaches, dear, and drink from prison streams so clear. You don't have to be rich to get around There are mansions growing out of the ground Days go by Get out and see 
Hello, is this Travis Ignatowski? It certainly is. Well, it's so nice to have you on <laughs> Troubadours and Rock on Tours, sir. It's been quite some time, hasn't it been? It, it has, and, and you know, you reference, uh, I guess, uh, incidents, if you want to call them, in the past where you were on uh, with a segment called Cab Fair, right? That's correct. F A I R. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is by, if I may remind your listeners, uh, when you were <clears throat> just on community radio in northeastern Pennsylvania before you became the toast of Brooklyn. So, it's it's quite an honor, I have to say. Well, you know, you have a lot to offer. You, you know, so that's you know, I'm not doing it because I think it's uh, you're a nice guy, and I want to you know give you a a favor it's because you have something to offer our program so well, thank you so. thank you um and you know I, I guess we we should start with letting people know a little bit about where you're at where you're coming from uh physically you are out of philadelphia pennsylvania right correct yeah we have some uh we have some listeners out there i know there's a station out there wppm that uh, airs us out of Philadelphia. Hello to those folks. We have a guy right from your neck of the woods uh, featured. So uh, 
Yeah, that's exciting. Yes, I know some of your your rogues gallery. Oh yeah, I I'm sure you do. I know the surf, and I know the hobo. Surf William and the Global Hobo JQ. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, you're of their ilk, I suppose. Was that would that be a fair statement? Oh yes, yes, and I believe you're you're among us, like it or not. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Travis and I go way back. I think <clears throat> we met in 10th grade during uh, Junior Achievement. I think it was in 9th grade. 9th grade, Junior Achievement, um, Slow Gin Fizzes in the Alley. Yeah, and what an achievement that was. <laughs> Learned so much. It's more junior than an achievement, I guess. I well, We were junior, and... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I love that program, and it did get me a chance to connect with you. You were in a better one than, I mean, we were, uh, uh, the company that we, like, worked with, it was a fine company, Tops, which makes uh, was, like, famous for making baseball cards, um, and the guy was local, and I uh, went to the Who concert with his son, ironically, um, but they also made, they made candy, uh, they made chewing gum and other stuff, and we started making peanut brittle. That was our, our thing. Um, and it, it was okay, but it didn't it wasn't a big seller. So then we changed over to lollipops, and we did much better with those. I remember the I lollipops. I remember what you did. You had, you had the popsicle stick, right? As the yeah. Whole, uh, yeah. And, they were, they, and the lollipops were like hockey pucks. They were gigantic. I don't know yeah. how anybody really maneuvered them. but Yeah, they, they were fantastic. I loved your lollipops. Um, and uh, we both had a crush on Bean. Yes, yeah. Yeah, she was beautiful. Pro- probably still is. Um, uh, anyhow, now we fast forward about 40 years, <laughs> right? About yeah. 40 years. Uh, and here we are, right? You know, Indeed. Toward the end, as we, air, as we uh, record our, our conversation, towards the end of 2021. And uh, again, uh, a new segment that we're going to feature on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, Travis Ignatowski, out of uh, basically Mount Airy, Chestnut Hill, right, area of Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, you you bill yourself as an urban hiker. Right. Yeah. So first... Obviously, you want to know some of the backstory here. Yes. So let's, let's take it back to to uh when we first started to have these conversations um i don't know if you were i mean you were probably involved in radio for a while but i mean i had just started another job in new york uh i had had one in the, in during the 2000s and then i was working at home and then i started going into new york every day and that's when i started to to meet with you uh on these chats and uh that's when i came up with the idea for cab fare uh, part of which, you know, is an inside joke. Yeah. Uh, but I also thought that, uh, you know, I'm going to be making some occasional dispatches, and they'll tend to be from big cities or from cities um, because I live in one. I work in an even bigger one. And I remember that in the beginning when I made – when we had some of our conversations, I called you from, from business trips. I, I We talked from Boston I was in once. Um Amsterdam, I think I was in San Francisco. No, not not anything. Nothing overseas. Uh, oh, you I mean, did. I have, I, you did I call been me overseas, but I don't. That was after. After. I mean, I we talked from uh, Orlando. I was at 
one time. That's right. Um, Amsterdam was off air. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That wouldn't have been acceptable for your for FCC standards. No, that's true. Um, You were in the middle of debauchery. Well. <laughs> no, I was trying to help others out of their debauched lives. Oh yes, I, I, excuse me, that's correct. Yes. Anyway, uh, but yeah, the first time we spoke, uh, I think I was walking around Washington Square Park. I think I called you from a taxi cab once. So you know. So anyway, the name Travis Ignatowski is a is a reference to Travis Bickle, of course, from Taxi Driver, and Jim Ignatowski from the show Taxi. So it's a whole. Um, uh, taxi cab related uh identity yeah uh the urban hiker an urban hiker is a shoe ah perhaps you've seen these you may even own some um if you ever go to like an rei or or an eastern mountain sports or or even like dicks uh and you go into the shoe area they'll have these the only brand name i know is the ones that i have and they're they're merrill's but you know they're they're like a they're like a big sneaker and they're usually like gray or brown um and they're they're hiking shoes and they're certainly good for you know if you're hiking around in uh in the in the endless mountains or in the catskills or something that's that's pretty you probably could even use it on the appalachian trail i don't think you could use these things if you were mount everest you know up on k2 or something yeah exactly but um my feeling on these and i had you know been wearing them for years and i got some remarks from my wife like sometimes being out with these on snide notice that snide like uh (laughs) funny remarks but that men would wear i didn't see women doing this too much but you'd you'd see guys out in restaurants and stuff uh you know with a nice shirt and uh and casual kind of uh pants on with these uh these sneaker shoe hiker things (laughs) and it was always in city so i decided you know these are like urban hikers so that's the uh that's where that name comes from but uh, it fits in with the notion of being in in cities when we've been discussing things, and you know, like I said, I live in a city, etc. So there's there's the whole uh, the skinny on uh, Travis Ignatowski and and urban hiker. And I guess you're going to run with this in a way. So this For the is time being. <laughs> you're you're um, going to share some of what you garner, some of what you experience as an urban hiker. Uh, figuratively, uh, you know, uh, despite the the literal shoe, you're also yeah. The, it, we're we're done with the shoe with the shoe, uh, you know, uh, references. Right. But um, what I've one of the things I've been thinking about, um, anticipating this conversation about cities, which I love. I love living in a city. I love working in a big city. Is my fear for their future with all that's going on? Uh, I mean, it's certainly convenient to be able to work from home as I've been able to do for years, long before COVID. And it was certainly essential during that time period for those of us who are lucky enough to be able to do this. But now uh, offices like the place I work, among others, are, are probably realizing the, you know, the, uh, the non-necessity of having this very expensive downtown location when all that everybody really does all day long, at least where I work, and I, I suppose where a lot of people work, is stare at a computer and and do research uh, online or working on databases or interacting with one form of software or another and sending emails and using the phone. And you could easily do that from home, um, which we've all been doing to, you know, pretty much undisrupted success. Uh, And 
this could mean good things for a lot of people, certainly like um, people with kids and stuff, uh, to be able to work from home. And I mean, there's certainly positives, but I also fear for, you know, what's going to happen to all these places that uh, that sell breakfast and lunch during working hours and uh, just the vibrancy of downtowns. Is that going to be affected? Is the commercial real estate market going to be affected and negatively affect the tax revenue that cities need to run their basic services and I don't know, maybe make property taxes go up or have some other uh, unexpected consequences. So Right, right. I think that's going to happen. It's, it's going to be strange. Big cities, like you work in Manhattan, live in Philly, but smaller, they're going to, they're going to feel the, this effect. And, uh, to, and, and to make that possible, I take, uh, I drive to Trenton, New Jersey and I take New Jersey transit, which I'm sure is doing fine. But, uh, I mean, there's a there's a local uh, transit system in Philadelphia uh, called, unfortunately, called SEPTA. Yep. I don't know where the marketing people were on that one, but Southeastern Pennsylvania Transit Authority. Yes, that's that's what it stands for. I think they should have called it Sparta, and you could you know apply all the relevant terms to that, which I think has a better implication than SEPTA. But, but isn't this going to help middle size and smaller but no, cities? I, my point here is that uh, decreased ride. I thought the train line that comes near our house is pretty much non-existent they shut it down completely during 2020 and now it's back but they only run it a couple times per day so if as cities try to get back up and running um both for during the work day and even to try and have a nightlife you know for people who want to take public transit it's challenging because uh there's all these these unexpected you know these these ripple effects of of what's happening now so yeah, yeah, and I, you know, as I was uh, thinking and, and saying, I think middle-sized cities and smaller cities could benefit uh, if people are able to stay home, but still work for the big company that uh, oh, for sure is paying the New York City wage still. But they might decrease that. Who knows? That's another well, thing. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Well, that's the big question. But even if they even if they decrease it somewhat, it might still you know raise the pay scale in smaller cities that are wherever they are. Um, yeah, and that may have, a, uh, who knows what the effects would be on any town USA if all of a sudden there's a, an influx, an, encla- an influx, an enclave of people who uh, have a lot more money. I mean, obviously there'll be good benefit, there'll be a, a, positive elements to that. But it'll it'll gentrify in a way the whole town. It's possible, yeah. And then the people that are living and working there in the smaller town making less money, they won't be able to afford it anymore. Or yeah, or the person like the the couple that has been waiting five years to buy that house uh, and they're just within reach of it. And then all of a sudden there's this influx of people from a city that's a hundred miles away that is paying way higher wages and they've got jobs. Maybe, you know, she's, he's a nurse and she's a, a a teacher uh, and they can't really leave. Um, Now they might be priced out. Right. But that, I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time in, in, you know, in urban settings. Right, but now it spreads. The gentrification, it's kind of interesting when you look at it. The gentrification uh, that is affected by a place like New York City could reach to, a, you know, uh, the Poconos or, you know, into into other states. If it's well, I think, I mean, in the case of that, that New example, Jersey. It's, it's already, I mean, people have been living in Jersey forever. And but even farther now, farther away, though. You can, you know, usually an hour, hour and a half, that, you know, you would do that. Maybe Even when you mentioned the Poconos, I think that's been happening. Allentown, I mean, way back when, Scranton, you know, our locale was the third biggest city 
in Pennsylvania till about 1950. Uh, and then it was Erie until around 1990, I think, which is around the time they completed the extension of 78, where it went all the way, you know, to Allentown, basically, uh, on, on the western side, and then to the Holland Tunnel. And now Allentown is the third largest city in Pennsylvania. And you and you and you uh, equate that to the the uh, transportation that was. Yeah, I mean, not yeah. just for New York, but to, there's great job like the opportunities in New Jersey, which right. has been benefiting from you know New York City and Philly for forever and now, its own industries. Now we let's shift a bit from from uh, from that. And I so when you when you look at cities, you know, uh, again, an urban hiker. Um, you say you love cities, uh, and you're concerned about certain aspects of what you love going away, not being economically feasible anymore. But can you be more, um, I guess, specific or paint us a picture of you know why do you love a Philadelphia or a New York or a Boston or wherever else so much? Well, I mean, let's not. I mean, there's certainly lots of problems in cities. Of I mean, course, I don't of course. But, that. but we're yeah. But, I mean, from my own experience, just the proximity of things to do, to be able, the ability to be able to, if you're lucky enough in the in the place that you live in an urban setting, to be able to just walk to the grocery store or to the pharmacy or wherever you need to, uh, or take public public transit. Uh, having lots of neighbors. I mean, I could see like living out in nice bucolic areas, certainly lovely as well and has its advantages. But, um, you know, I've embraced the life that I've chosen and I've been in a big city for 35 years. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, just uh, the vibrancy, the culture. I mean, those are the obvious things that you hear people talk about, but the convenience. Um, yeah. And just the constant, uh, or so, so it seems the the things that you're able to do, the the, the variety of people you can meet, uh, just in day to day life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, um, as as this pandemic has continued, ebbed uh, a bit, but still not over. You you just explained how things have have changed, and do you think it's irrevo- irrevocable? A lot of the changes that have occurred, or do you think it's just a phase we're going through? We'll I get... suspect some of them are. I mean, I, some of the some things are probably not going back, uh, but I don't know which ones they are. Maybe some of the uh, things that are that can be more easily dispensed with uh, from the before times, quote unquote. Um, like, maybe, and and some of them might be positive things, like more flexibility. Uh, I mean, a lot of firms might want to really try to keep their downtown location certainly they're they're tied into long leases i mean it's not like living in an apartment where you sign a year lease or something like that uh you get a a space in one of these office buildings you might sign a 30-year lease uh and they're locked into them and they want to make that work um and there are advantages to uh i mean here's the funny thing it's like the i've been like i said I, i mentioned before that i've been working from home you know occasionally uh long before covid and uh, if I did this all the time, uh, I'd go nuts. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I like to interact with people. That's why I like living in cities. Uh, it, it's so it, yeah, it would be. It's good to be able to to see your colleagues and um, and have face to face meetings, and just be away from your home. Like to have a a change of setting between uh, when you're in your your home environment and when you're in your work environment no doubt um, yeah i think i it's mean i can do it to a certain sure. extent uh 
uh, and I, I've been lucky enough to travel a lot. So even if I'm not going into the office every day, I, um, I'm going different places. And I would, before COVID, I would go to coffee shops and universities and different places to work, uh, because going to New York, it was, it's far. Um, so, but you know, I mean, I, I mean, if everybody was all, even if they, if, if we were somehow able to, uh, tweak the business model and the taxes so that, uh, cities weren't, uh, devastated by a shift to working at home, if should that occur, um, there would be a loss of the the cool the, the water cooler moment, if you will, uh, the elements of working that aren't specifically what you do every day in accomplishing what you need to do, but uh, just the ideas that spark up by being you know having in-person interactions with colleagues, uh, but also the fun it is just to be around like that group of people that you know, uh, and you'd never have that if you were only in a in a remote virtual. Uh, kind of situation right but in my opinion i think you might be right, right there but, but don't forget you're, you're going to work not to have fun and not to interact with people to but to produce and yeah. and to feed the economic machine let's not forget that <laughs> well, yes that's true travis uh, ignatowski that, that I, i'm not arguing that but i would say that uh, to the extent that it's enjoyable and fun for lack of a better word to to do this is, is uh, conducive to being productive and, by extension, feed the economic machine. Oh, you're one so. of those new wave uh, management people. <laughs> That's right. You know, no walls. Let's I'm just... a post, post-1925, I am. Yeah, you like the Google <laughs> model. Well, um, I mean, I've heard things about um, their whole – and I have visited Google once, the one, not the one in California or the one in New York. And there, there certainly was, like there were beanbag chairs around and – a ping pong table. Hookahs? They, Do they have hookahs packed with hashish? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get into the inner sanctum, but <laughs> they did do a, a check on my computer that I'm sure was very thorough. It was probably like the computer equivalent of a, a, a high pressure enema. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, they don't want people bringing in any uh, computer viruses, I guess. But I've heard that uh, some of that culture is changing, uh, where it's just like. Um, you know, they try to emulate a college campus or whatever the idea was. I mean, I think that a lot of managers in a lot of like uh, high stakes companies with the, you know, billion dollar companies uh, look into these questions all the time of like the best sort of uh, combination of uh, quiet time and uh, interaction and whatever it is that to try and uh, get the most out of their employees. Right, and create, I think some of them generally want to create an atmosphere that, you know, is, is pleasant, but again, not one that is, not, that is uh, non or unproductive. And that balance is key. Um, yeah, that, for sure. Now, you know, when, um, when we're talking about uh, the, these tendencies, these trends in, in big cities and in corporations, um, and then you, you step back a bit and, you know, you're a man in his mid-50s, what thanks <laughs> yes I, what, yes what, i am what's what, i mean do you ever sit back as you're sitting in a place like washington square park or or uh you know a, a nice a little pocket uh, uh green space in philadelphia and wonder what the the point is like what am i what am i doing what am i working toward where, where am i coming from what's the point uh 
I don't really get that existential, like, uh, maybe I should more often. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm generally happy with my, my trajectory in life, uh, broadly speaking, whether it's uh, in my personal life or my work. Uh, so I haven't, haven't had to think about that in a while. So the answer, I guess, is no. <laughs> okay. I guess that's healthy, I suppose, unless you're suppressing things. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. You're trying to bring me down all these dark alleys with, like, feeding the machine and suppressing things. <laughs> I've tried to create drama for the radio. Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> so let's get more, I guess, uh, narrow in our in our analysis, or you know, the what we're looking at. Let's be more specific. How about the last year, twenty twenty one? You know, again, we're we're talking toward the end of twenty twenty one right now. Um, what uh, what do you make of it? It was a weird year. I mean, certainly twenty twenty was for sure a weird year, um, but uh, it had a lot of ups. I mean, and everything is 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 dictated. And I heard something on the radio today, and uh, just that COVID kind of dominates everything. It's uh, it's ruling everything. Whether you are wherever you are on the spectrum of beliefs that people have about it, uh, it's it's ruling our lives. Um, and that certainly was true in 2021 and likely will be next year as well. Uh, I mean, there was like what seemed to be like a light at the end of the, uh, or, uh, you know, potentially a light at the end of the tunnel. I guess it was around June. Right. After a substantial number of people got vaccinated uh, before we had Delta uh, when we were back on the original recipe. And uh, <laughs> and we were, we were, you know, at my gym allowed people to work out, to come in there, not only come in there, but work out without a mask. That's all gone now. We're back to, uh, you know, an earlier uh, circumstance. Um, so, yeah, that's my takeaway from 2021. It was, it was kind of a letdown because certainly we were all hoping in 2020 that uh, we would have turned a corner. It seems as though, from my recollection of, of hearing about the, the 1918 virus, that uh, like after two years or so, it just sort of disappeared. Now, I don't know. I mean, they certainly didn't have the technical understanding that we have now, and there were no vaccines. Uh, maybe just a whole lot of people died, and other people got it, and some people didn't die, and and that's what happened. Uh, or they were the nature of that um, pandemic was so different enough that it there was herd immunity, and it essentially went away. Uh, probably didn't go away as quickly, and uh various parts of the world as it maybe did in the united states but nonetheless and people probably it, weren't it as mobile people weren't as mobile back then either well yeah that's that's for sure uh and i'm sure that that's part of the thing but at the same time uh people still needed to eat and they needed to work to be able to make money to be able to to eat and you couldn't just you couldn't work from home in the manner that we i mean maybe some people could use the telephone but it, there was nothing like today uh, where you could order whatever no. you wanted from Amazon and work from home if you could afford to. Right, go on Zoom uh, or something. There's a lot more people yeah. that had to actually go into wherever they went into to earn their money. Um, and so, how, how, do you, how do you think the government is doing, local, state, uh, federal, with with, uh, with regard to the pandemic and, and just some of the social uh, strife and challenges and problems we have over this last year? Well, I mean, you certainly can't compare local, state, and federal because there's – well, there's only one federal, um, 
and I think that they've been pretty good about it to the extent. I mean, it's that there's some seems to be some inconsistencies, but I think that they're trying to keep up with what science is telling us as this whole thing permutates and and devolves and evolves and changes. And as far as local and state uh, responses, they that depends on where you live, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean. We do have a problem still, as you said. And even when you go to cities, big cities, uh, their take and their day-to-day approach is different than when you go to smaller cities or towns. You know, you go to a larger city, people are wearing masks. You're not allowed into a business unless you have a vaccination card. Well, I mean, you think about the places, especially New York. That but but that's not the case in a place that because they're so densely on top of each other. That's right. That's right. I guess that's the reason. But is it also a mentality, though? I wonder. Probably. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess so. I haven't spent much time, by which I mean no time, in in you know small rural areas for the most part. Because you're an elitist. You're you're, oh, you're yes, I'm a coastal elitist. Yes. No, I, I I it's not that I don't like some small rural places, especially quaint New England towns. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, but this, you know, I, I I go where I go, and I haven't been going anywhere for the most part in the last almost two years, uh, like everybody else. Now, so I haven't been in New York in, since uh, the early part of 2020. What, what about uh, that's that stinks. Uh, what about um, you know social social issues? Uh, you know, outside of the pandemic, uh, you know, like um, our endemic racism and uh, uh, our right leaning uh, brothers and sisters who seem to hold on to these strange unrealistic views about what is going on in the world and and you know what what's going on in, in, in politics in washington what do you make of all of that it's a scary time to live in is what i make of it uh and it's not because i mean there's always been divergences of a of, of political persuasions and parties and uh but what we lived through in the last couple of years which culminated at the beginning of this year is of a different order, in my opinion. Um, How so? And, well, it's because I think that uh, I, it's akin to what we've seen, you know, in 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 countries that were taken over by dictators. I mean, I, I think our system is robust. I, mean, I hope it is, uh, but I don't want to see any like cult of personality trying to take over the country and uh, you know as a as a an autocrat. Um, and there's certainly been totalitarian autocrats on the left and the right uh, throughout the last hundred years, uh, probably longer. Here in the um, in the U.S. No, all over the world. Yeah. Um, and I think what we saw with the former administration is, is just is really frightening, and of a, like I said, of a different order. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with all of that. Um, and people didn't, and this is, this and COVID are the, you know, are pretty much what you hear about in the public discourse to, to pretty much to the exclusion of all else. I mean, other global problems and, and, and national problems, which are also important. Um, but, uh, yeah, what's going on politically, uh, and it all's intertwined to a certain extent is, definitely, uh, definitely is very all. concerning. It is. It's a power struggle, and it's a cultural sort of mindset war, you know, outlook in a way, uh, struggle for us to define who we are or work 
with the differences that truly exist here in the United States and beyond, but I'm talking primarily about the United States. Now, you know, we're just about out of time. Travis Ignatowski, one of our newest contributors on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. I'm happy to say you'll be hearing more of him in 2022. In a couple of words, because again, we're just about out of time. Um, what do you what do you hope for in 2022, or what do you predict? Whatever, whatever way you want to take it. Hmm. Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> That's a tough question. Um, I would hope that there will be more of a return to. I mean, I I, I, I hasten I, not to use the word normal or normalcy because I'm not even really sure what that would be, uh, but something more predictable and more manageable for everybody, not just uh, people in big cities or people with, who share my political views, but uh, for all of us. And I think if that were to happen by whatever like, uh, uh, combination of circumstances would give rise to that, then it would probably help alleviate some of the political upheaval as well. It wouldn't make it go away because there's never not been a time uh, when we've had these kinds of issues. But I mean, if you look within our lives at how contentious and and frightening it was during, say, the worst parts of the Vietnam War, when people on either side of these uh, of the of the political spectrum were, you know, really at each other's throats and families like were breaking up over this. And then as the war after the war ended and things got a little bit, at least that was gone, uh, you know, there seemed to be more of a predictability and a return to uh, to something that wasn't as bad. I will probably put it that way than to say to normalcy, because we've had major problems in the United States uh, throughout its all its entire history. Uh, And such problems aren't uh, exclusive to the U.S., but this is where we live, so we're talking about it. But, you know, it's not just America. Uh, all the evils of humanity are because of humans, and we're everywhere. So just as all the good things are, you know, we're a paradox. So nicely so said. there you have it. Nicely said. Travis Ignatowski, I think you hit a triple first, first time back. A triple. Yeah, but, you know, you're rounding third. Maybe, maybe it'll end up being... Uh, and in the Parker, we'll what see. If I, what if my what if I stop to tie my shoe? Uh, well, I don't think that'd be a good way to to finish. You gotta let, you gotta just trust right. that you can make it to home without tripping but on I your don't shoelace. Wanna, I don't want to have my shoe untied. I'm yeah. thinking more on the fashion respect here. Ah, <laughs> we'll have to save that for next time. I have to reflect on that. You got me existential on the shoelace thing. Now. I think you're too existential for your own good. I might be, but nonetheless, Travis. It's a it's a pleasure talking with you. Happy holidays to you and your you your your uh, wife and all your your uh, all the special people in your life. Thank you for taking time out. Thank you too. Take care. Ciao. Ciao.
tell you the story of the grouper yeah the fish grouper now I love fish all kinds of fish trout bass red snapper smelts at Christmas time sardines even a fan of the anchovy anyway I love me some grouper fried grouper so a friend of mine Freddie Fricatelli says he's got a line on some grouper fresh and free I didn't ask where the grouper came from. Fish don't just fall from the sky, you know. You have to catch them. Freddy catches all sorts of stuff, but he doesn't go fishing. I never knew how Freddy made a living, and I never asked about that either. He always seemed to have cash and was always buying rounds at the bar. Generous fellow, Freddy. The back of his old station wagon was filled with all sorts of stuff. Need a wrench? Freddy had a crate of wrenches. Need a golf ball? Freddy has the best. Brand new. Want to give your special lady a fur? Freddy had a couple of admittedly mangy furs on hand. Who wears furs anyway? Pens, pencils, socks, thermometers, towels, spice racks, you name it. Freddy had it, or he can get it pretty quickly. Now, Freddy had a girlfriend. Sugar. Don't know what her real name is. Now, Sugar wasn't too sweet, but she was sassy. You might say they were in cahoots. According to the scuttlebutt I heard at the bar, Sugar was the brains of the operation, and Freddy was the high-talking gopher. If you listen to Freddy, Sugar was just his classy assistant, an aide-de-camp, so to speak. 
If you listen to Sugar, Freddy couldn't find the handle of a toilet without directions and a map. They were a great team for a while. Then one day Sugar headed off to Vegas with some slick character, and Freddy stayed home and pined and moped. Of course, that was after my fish story. Anyway, Freddy told me about the grouper. As I mentioned, I am a fish lover. I don't go fishing. My old man hated fishing. But he loved fish too. Especially fried fish. And one of the reasons I got so excited about Freddy's promised shipment was a memory I had. When I was a kid, my family had fish fry nights. My mom would fry up the fish and we'd eat it in the backyard with beans and corn and her secret recipe coleslaw. Mom made a great coleslaw and turned me into a coleslaw snob. In fact, I've never found coleslaw to match my mom's. And the fish that she fried up was, you guessed it, grouper. We always had a swell time until Dad got loaded and started brooding and then yelling and eventually flinging a plate of grouper over the backyard fence and storming off to the bar. So I had a history with that particular fish. There I was, all set for my grouper. My taste buds were already tingling. I downed a few beers and through the window of the bar I see Sugar waving her arms at me, trying to get my attention but not alert the barflies, who were also waiting for their grouper, but were too distracted by arguments or the television to notice her. I got the message, snuck out the back door and met her in the alley behind the bar. Problem with the fish, Sugar says. She points down the alley, and I see Freddy leaning on his old station wagon, smoking a butt, and looking miserable. I head towards the wagon, and I'm almost knocked over by the smell of fish. In the back of the wagon were large bends of the sorriest grouper you'd ever seen, staring up at me with dead eyes and giving off a god-awful stench. What happened, Freddy? They look disgusting, I cried. Got there a little late. A little late, Sugar queried, with characteristic sarcasm. My man sort of lied about the condition of the grouper. Sort of, Sugar smirked. Freddy started sobbing. Sugar shook her head, and I backed down the alley to escape the aroma of the foul fish. Well, Sugar, Sugar left Freddy a little while later. Freddy was never himself after and I haven't had grouper since. And that's my fish story. I gotta go. Watch the ice. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away Baby, it's cold outside This evening has been, been hoping that you drop So in. very nice I'll hold your hands They're just like My I mother will start to Beautiful worry. what you're heard. My father will be pacing the floor Listen to that fireplace roar So really I Beautiful, please don't hurt. maybe just a half a drink Put more. some records on while I pour. Neighbors might think. Baby, it's bad. Lyle, 
what's in this dream. No cabs to be had out there. I wish I knew how Your eyes are to like starlight now. I'll take your hat. Your hair looks swell. Hard to say no, no. Mine's for moving closer. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. What's the sense of hurting my pride? Really can't stay. Baby, don't hold on. It's cold out there. The welcome has How been. How lucky you dropped so in. So nice and warm. Look out the window at that My stone. sister will be suspicious. Gosh, your lips look delicious. My brother will be there at the Waves door. Waves on a tropical shore. My maiden aunt's mind is gosh, vicious. Well, maybe just a second more. Never such a blizzard before. I've got to get home. Baby, you freeze out there. Say, lend me your comb. It's up to your knees out there. You've really been grand. I'm thrilled when you touch my hand. But don't you see? How can you? My lifelong sorrow. At least there will be plenty in play. If you caught in the morning oh, and died. Oh, I really can't stay. Over that old house, baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold Kind bud. Hey, Miss Bud Tender, standing on the other side of the counter, with that trim backside facing the safety deposit drawers filled with indica, sativa, and hybrid strains. All are getting stoned, even the old folks, to ease the pain, to soften the strain to smell the wet grass and hear the birds sing and the cats purr on the front porch swing, enjoying some relief from the December rain. Frosted window panes, candles gleaming inside painted candy canes on the tree Santa's on his way he's filled his sleigh with things things for you and for me it's that time of year when the world falls in love every song you hear seems to say 
Merry Christmas May your New Year dreams come true And this song of mine In three-quarter time Wishes you and yours The same thing to And there you have it, episode 451 of Troubadours and Rakan Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this holiday-tinged episode possible. Travis Ignatowski, our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, actor extraordinaire Dominic Azzarelli, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, the Lumineers, and Daniel Rodriguez, Brett Denon, Phoebe Bridgers, Lyle Lovett and Kat Ebbinson, Nellie Mackay, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And, of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and try to do our best with this time. Happy holidays. Happy New Year.